1: Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Scott, as I get older, two things that I absolutely appreciate <laughs> Tr- being able to trust and convenience. And this is why we have Waterways Travel and AG1
2: as our sponsors today. Absolutely. Trust and convenience. You know what? Even if you're young, you will like these values, right? And Waterways Travel. They've been doing it for decades. Sean Murphy and his team, they know what they're doing. And as you know, David, travel is one of those things where you absolutely must have trust. It's crucial. And waterways travel provides that plus. The experience that comes along with that trust, they know about all the surf spots in the world. They even know about surf spots that no longer exist because of tsunamis (laughs) and earthquakes.
1: It's totally true. I mean, the reality is the days of like, Getting on whatever um, travel website and typing in your dates and checking fares against one another so you could save 25 bucks here. But then you find yourself on Spirit Airlines or Frontier or something. And you're just like, and then you suffer through that or something goes wrong. It's all a headache. It's inconvenient and it's just a waste of time. And so, kind of being able to just pull up one website. Here's the price. Here's what I'm getting. And then knowing that you're going to have a great experience. That's where I'm at at this point in my life. I don't have time for any of that other stuff. So waterwaystravel.com. And then same goes for AG1. It's like they put the best stuff in it. It shows up at my door, saves me a bunch of time, saves me money, actually, because to be buying all the ingredients individually and supplements or whatever is just expensive. It's hard on your stomach. So convenient, trust uh, that all my dietary needs are met. Move on with your life.
2: AG1, baby. It's a crucial part of my morning routine. And uh, frankly, my entire family's morning routine. And uh, we all get together and we drink our AG1 today and sing occasionally Kumbaya.
1: (laughs) AG1 party. Let's do it on Zoom next time. Your family and mine.
2: I think I hear part of your family singing right now.
1: (laughs) You just woke up. Um, Slept good last night. So AG1, you get your AG1 uh, through athleticgreens.com slash surf. That's our portal. Keeps us in business. Keeps you well. And uh, yeah, AG1, athleticgreens.com slash surf and waterwaystravel.com.
2: Yeah, guy. 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 It's time for spit. It's Wednesday morning. It's the middle of summer, frankly. It's July 27th, and I'm slightly broken. Are you okay there? I see you slightly moving. Now you're back.
1: Yeah, let's just see what happens.
2: Anyway, it's Wednesday, July 27th. Welcome, David Lee Scales. Scott Best. Spit. We're spitballing. We're talking surf, as we often do. Probably some other things. Perhaps the final half of RRR, R, R, the Bollywood movie that we discussed, a must-see flick. We'll get to the second two R's today. Yeah. Anyway, good morning.
1: Good morning. Um, we first, right off the top, we've got to give away that Paizel Shadow in less than a week. It's a 6-0 John John trade-in. We give it away to one of our subscribers. So if you want to get in on that, you can subscribe on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Click support. Five bucks a month. You won't notice it missing, but it's the backbone of our uh, our business. Keeps Absolutely. us rolling.
2: Please subscribe. We appreciate your subscription. And we promise to do our best to put um, entertaining, insightful, informative stuff uh, into your ears each and every week.
1: You'll work on that. I'm just going to work on being consistent. I promise we'll be here every week. I can't promise it'll right. be informative.
2: And re- you're right. And I can't provide insight really um (laughs) Um,
1: this
2: this much i do know there will be a really bad hair day and i'll put on a hat instead but we'll be here yeah
1: um give me the boardroom show uh, wow teaser yeah what's going on
2: the boardroom show is really ramping up we got some cool stuff um first of all the boardroom international surfboard show presented by us blanks this year we're honoring icon of foam timmy patterson we honor a shaper each and every year and Timmy Patterson has three generations of surfboard builders in his family, and of course, Timmy makes the boards for gold medalist Elo Ferrera, Ferrara, Ferrera. I always get that wrong. And um, of course, we've got, um, as I mentioned, that shaping competition, which sort of lifts up the uh, spirit of hand shaped surfboards and building surfboards in general, both the glassing, uh, the sanding. Uh, the shaping, all of the stuff that goes into it, routing out fin boxes—that's really what the boardroom is all about. It's about honoring the surfboard because, as you know, surfboards, a philosophical icon of enduring youth. Put a surfboard in my 57-year-old arms, and I feel like a 16-year-old kid. I'm frothing to go ride it and get in the ocean. And uh, the boardroom's really a huge hall filled with the surfboard manufacturing industry. Think fishing show or boat show, but surfboards and the surfboard industry and when is it and who can attend October 8th and 9th anyone can attend tickets will be on sale towards the end of August and October 8th and 9th Saturday and Sunday of course there's live music there's the boardroom talks there's um, a whole lot going on we've got Carver Skateboards is going to be there with a really cool rippable ramp Um, so you're going to want to get kids out there Timmy Patterson by the way is going to be doing some sort of shaping lesson for kids. So if you're a kid and you want to come shape a little mini surfboard, Timmy Patterson, the guy we're honoring, is going to be in his booth telling you all about that. And um, gosh, a lot more going on. Of course, this early in the morning, I'm having a hard time pulling down that information from the brain cell. But (laughs) I said cell as in singular. (laughs) Do you know
1: who the um, competitors are in the icons of foam?
2: I have a rough understanding. We know for sure Ryan Birch is the two-time defending champion and will be there. Um, we know that the champion from Japan, Harlem surfboards, Tokuda-san will be there. I believe that Timmy has selected Rick Rock, a longtime San Clemente shaper. He has selected. Um, gosh, I'm kind of forgetting exactly who's on his list. It's, it's, it's fluid. You know, he hasn't completely made the announcement to me yet. So it's a bit fluid still, Um, but we're over two months out. So we've got time to figure all that out. And um, yeah, there's going to be three rounds. Each shaper faces uh, one shaper faces, another in a man on man heat. And the winner of that heat moves on to the semifinals. And then the winner of that heat moves on to the final. So there'll be three boards, three iconic boards that Timmy, is selecting for the shapers to uh, replicate. And there's going to be some cool boards. Timmy's got some really cool boards uh, in his, in his, um, you know, in his legacy, so to speak. And of course, yeah, one I mean, of them he's... will, one of them is going to be one of Idolo's boards, of course.
1: And I mean, Timmy's been at it for decades at the highest level. So yeah, there's plenty to choose from. Absolutely. Um, what do you do with those shaped boards?
2: well some of those boards will go to people that are at the show um, both people that have um, each year we have a a dinner that there's eight eight people that are allowed to buy a ticket to have dinner with timmy patterson and to sit down over an incredible three-course meal um, with wine and beer and it's quite a cool scene it's just you and timmy in this very exclusive little dining room Um, It's put on by my friends at Ranch 45. And you also, with the purchase of that dinner ticket, you receive one of the boards from the first round of the shaping competition. Now, the other boards go back to uh, the boardroom show and we sell those boards to help pay for costs of that three-course meal, (laughs) which costs me an arm and a leg usually, Uh, but it's well worth it. And uh, what a special... uh, Time for people that buy tickets. You know, last year we had Pat Ross and, um, and gosh, those boards right now are just being finished up and being um, delivered to the, the people that bought those tickets. So, yeah, it's good stuff.
1: Yeah, quite the opportunity there. Are those tickets um, still available or are they, have They're, they gone on sale yet? They
2: haven't even gone on sale. Um, so, they are available. They are available. Anybody? Yeah, cool. anybody, there's only eight available. And you get, like I said, you get dinner, you get entry into the event, you get the finished shape blank. It's, it's your responsibility, by the way, I need to be clear about this to have that shape blank glassed and finished. Like you take the blank home. Um, And uh, you also get a little goodie bag with some cool stuff. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, another exciting boardroom show. It's um, people are psyched. We've got a full house. I've got, I don't know if I told you this, but one of our, uh, I might have mentioned this to you. One of our exhibitors, which I'm kind of excited about, makes 3D surfboards. Oh, I do 3D, not know about this. A 3D machine that spins, uh, it was, spins out. It was a only a matter of time. That spins out a surfboard. They come. They're coming over from Europe. And I'm really excited. I'm actually having them on the Boardroom podcast here in the middle of August. And I'm excited about just the concept of a 3D surfboard. Like what's it made out of? How does it work? You know, like the whole, like how light is it? How does it work in the water relative? Is there a stringer? Obviously there's not foam. It's made out of some sort of composite. You know, is it glass normally? How do you put the fins in? Uh, So these are all the questions I have for this gentleman. And I'm going to ask him uh, on the boardroom podcast coming up here in a couple of weeks.
1: All right. Then I'll wait to ask you because I was going to ask you some of those questions. I don't don't have
2: the answers. I don't yeah. know. Like, those are like when I spoke with them on the phone, I'm like, I don't understand this. We should do a podcast because I'd like to get to the bottom of this.
1: Yeah. I mean, the 3D printing thing is hard to wrap your brain around, all okay. of the things that can be made from it. But if they're literally able to make, you know, a gun, guns,
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> out of a three, then of course they can make a surfboard. The question is just performance. What is the performance like? You know,
2: well, that is the big question. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, how does that composite handle bumps handle? How does it flow in the water? How does it paddle? Uh, How does it sit in the water? What's the volume all about, you know? Yep. And uh,
1: yeah. Well, sounds like it's going to be an epic event. Um, If anybody wants to learn more about Timmy Patterson, you've got an episode of the boardroom podcast with him that they can go learn about his legacy and everything. Um, Do you
2: happen to listen to the Marty Hoffman episode? No, I haven't. That's really good. Marty okay, Hoffman. Okay, good. I will. Marty Hoffman yeah, and I don't, Yeah.
1: I don't know nearly enough about him, actually, so I really need to, because he's a name that pops up all the time.
2: Yeah, son of Flippy Hoffman, legendary, the Hoffman family, of course, yeah. um, Walter Flippy Hoffman, um, Joyce Hoffman, um, right. and Dibby Fletcher, who's Herbie Fletcher's wife, who's the mother of... I mean, their family, the extension of their family is is just uh you know it's foundational in you know late 50s on california surf culture and surf industry
1: um i'm looking at your hat right now and it reminded me do you know who i recorded with um is the uh guitarist from the foo fighters
2: oh cool what's he's, his name
1: uh, his name's chris shiflett uh-huh he's, he's from santa barbara and he grew up surfing and so he's like a big podcast fan and listener. And um, and so he actually reached
2: out to me. Oh, my God. Of, that must have been great to get that email. I,
1: I know. I know. We have that a mutual, is so cool. We had a mutual friend, so he texted. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty epic. He's super, super cool and super down to earth and, um, you know, ha- wants to talk about surfing. But we did talk a lot about music as well. Some about his career, but also just kind of philosophical music chat. Like,
2: oh my god, this like, sounds great! I'm so jealous. I would have loved to have talked with him.
1: I know you. Well, you would have asked much more technical guitar questions. Well, I actually I like I the philosophical, but
2: I like the philosophical music questions. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm actually into that too.
1: Well, among them, you know, he's raising kids, and I'm just like, can you force your musical taste upon your kids? Or like. <laughs> Or more importantly, like, what are they listening to? And do you approve of it? Do you not? And you know, they're listening. They, at some point brought them, they wanted to buy high school musical, the album, the soundtrack from some TV show or movie. Yeah, And he was just like, God, it's awful. And I'm like, well, <laughs> is it, is it objectively awful? Because we all think that things are better than others and we want our taste to be right. But you know, and I listen to some stuff that I can make an argument is objectively awful because it's synthesizers, there's no instruments, maybe lyrically it's just dumb, you know. And yeah, but um, it,
2: it all depends how old your kids are. You know, I like think,
1: well, yeah, I see I could argue that though too. I would argue that for my nine month old, Mozart would be better for brain development and it's well, just yeah. better music Look, than yeah, than whatever.
2: For sure. There's baby Mozart and baby Bach and all that stuff. And everyone buys that and you should do that. But I think when you're like, well, whatever age, the idea that I agree with you, there's some music where you're like, Oh, um, high school musical. No way. That's just super cliche. But I would suggest to you that it also probably, you know, has a chorus, a verse, like the very simple foundational stuff that you would want to kind of have your children learn right away. You know, like, you know, whatever it is, four, five, one, or one, four, five, or, you know, like the different chord yeah. structures and then, okay, we're going to do four beats of that. And then we're going to go to a break here, a bridge, and then we're going to come back to that. You know? So there's, even though it's the actual sound, you're kind of puking in your mouth a little bit, but the foundational <laughs> of it is.
1: See, I think that beyond that, like there is an equation that you can then hit and maybe have uh, success with. I think beyond that, the best music is art. And it maybe incorporates that equation, but maybe it flies in the face of that equation, but it's transcendent. And so you listen to it and it moves you, it moves your emotion, you know, it inspires you. And so I think that type of stuff is what a, stimulates a nine months old brain or a 90 year old's brain. And that's kind of You and I have a few probably songs that we can choose as examples, like Paragon examples of that in our lives. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then a bunch of other stuff that has slight versions of it. It echoes it a little bit, but it's like that's the stuff that I, you know, a couple of Paul Simon tracks, some Bob Dylan tracks that like I would think austin should be listening to on full <laughs> on full <laughs> and and then if he comes at me with the high school musical or whatever it happens to be and i could just objectively be like son that is awful <laughs> oh,
2: no, and and let's have that. a
1: conversation about you why you know no, what you I mean? can't
2: do that. No. well let's look at chris shiflett
1: have... chris shiflett who lives and breathes it yeah. you know, chimes in on it. And uh, it was super interesting just to hear his thoughts on how he's navigating all of that with his kids.
2: It's in a weird way. It's kind of like teaching your kid to surf, you know, like my suggestion is don't teach your kids to surf, you know, like tell them that that the, I'm going like what you do is you go, I'm going to the beach to have fun and you're not allowed to come. And then they're like, what? Right. Go. As opposed to the dad that's like, come on, put on this wet wetsuit. I know you've got a rash. I don't care. I'm throwing you in the exactly. 50 water. Come on, dude! Don't you know Kelly Slater? Like, I see those guys, and I'm like, oh my god! And the same thing could happen with music. Like, if I force fed my kids the Almond Brothers, which may or may not have happened, they're probably going to be anti-Almond Brothers. Yeah, you know what I mean. And but well, you do bring up a great point. Like, you know, you and I both have like songs that like may, can move me to tears. You know, like a Van Morrison song or whatever. You know, I'm for sure for you, it's pro- whatever. It's Dylan or whatever. And we have a bunch of those songs. And so they come on and we're like, kids, come here. You got to hear this. You know, and my, and my kids, especially when now they're into it. But when they're teenagers or 12 years old, they'll be like, dad, that's super lame. Listen to Hannah Montana instead. Right.
1: Well, which Van Morrison song?
2: Uh, Someone like you. It's not The yeah. whole album um, is called Poetic Champions Composed. I've told yeah. you to listen to this album before. I'm sure you haven't, much like I told my kids. Another one is Dark Side of the Moon, right? Like we've sort of demanded that they, you know, sit in a dark room with their friends in college. Whatever you do in that dark room is none <laughs> of my business, but you must put on dark Side, of the room, uh, dark Side of the Moon and turn it up full blast and just listen to the album from start to finish.
1: Good advice. My Van Morrison is sweet. thing.
2: There you go, brother. Can't it's really go wrong. Van's incredible. Van There's is incredible. So many incredible Van you know there's um, a huge van morrison guy no it's brian bielman surf photographer really yeah i only know this because i sat on a boat with him for eight hours and taking photos of perfect waves, at cloud break about 22 years ago and and when you sit with surf photographers they've all got their things in there and they're all like you know and then yeah and brian's a very talkative and enjoyable uh gentleman and, and fun to talk to and you know so we went on a little bit of a riff about Van Morrison for a little while and I did it's just one of those stupid things that you remember. you know I, I can't tell yeah. you if he's left-handed or right-handed, but I know that he's into Van Morrison.
1: Well, uh, back to influencing your kid's musical yes. taste.
2: Chris shiflett podcast with, did, did, your, with David did your dad
1: do it to you and do you listen to what your dad listened to when you were growing up?
2: No, my dad was extremely um, and to this day, like non-musical, you know, like, really, yeah, there was never music. It was, he was an air force pilot. Like he was just like, son, Vietnam, you know, just like hardcore, you know, like, like a fighter pilot, you know, jockey guy. Um, But my mother is the one who influenced us musically and she um, played the Beatles a lot. And actually she's the one that turned me on the dark side of the moon.
1: So it did influence you and you did.
2: Uh, yeah, see, but I wasn't, I was, but I was like 12 or 13. I was like turning into that. I was in the 13 to 14 age where you start to go, Hannah Montana's lame. This right. stuff's pretty rad. Whoa, that's up. Whoa, what's Jimmy Hendrix. Okay.
1: okay. So you, you took uh, to it immediately.
2: Yeah. Now tell me about Chris, um, but we should listen. Well, like- I
1: haven't published it yet. I think next week or the week after yeah um but uh so my dad who plays guitar and has dedicated his life to playing guitar uh and now has one of the
2: greatest pickleball
1: songs ever that's true uh, yeah that and also the best uh retirement bands out in the palm springs area go ahead
2: sorry my dog's about to go bark no, here. Go, go. hey come in. okay go ahead yeah your dad he's he's playing so, retirement guitar
1: Yes. Yeah, so he um desired a, you know, a life as a rock star when he was young, but then had two kids and took a job with a bank and worked uh, in finance kind There's of for a song. career.
0: There's yeah. a song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so uh abandoned his childhood dreams to become a rock star so that he could raise kids and provide for us and all that sort of stuff. And I'm grateful that he did. But Now in his retirement, retired out in Palm Springs area and um, formed a band. He's been playing guitar the entire time and actually like playing, you know, seriously, like practicing, played in church bands. So he got some live experience over the years and stuff or over the decades, but um, is now in a band with a bunch of buddies out in the desert, fully gigging and like, I have a you know, in selling out gigs and selling out. Yes. And it's like, they they are all the rage
2: out there. They've really, he's
1: living, living his youthful dreams in retirement. It's an epic.
2: I'm so stoked to hear that. Yeah. And good for him. My premonition was to honor your dad's dream, which is now already coming to fruition. Austin is going to become a legendary musician of some sort. That would be incredible. Could you imagine that? I w- I do love Baby Mozart, and I just think even, um, and I do think jazz. You know, like if you were oh, talking yeah. about artistic music, jazz is just they're taking one four five and they're going, okay, you're boring the shit out of me. Let me throw in some six notes and just throw some crazy stuff. Then I swear to God, I'll come back to the one. I swear to God, I'm going to eventually come back yeah. to the one. But just let me riff and have fun and do my take on it. There's a really great uh, interview with uh, Pat Metheny on YouTube and it's done by a guy who I watch a lot on YouTube. I forget his name. It's, um, it's Beatty. Let me try to pull it up real quick. Just the name of this guy. So if people want to listen to this YouTube, um, he usually comes up. But anyway, he talks about that. Basically what I just said, like, like, you know, we're just putting our spin on it. Like we're, I promise you, we're, we're still doing a Beatles song, but we're just kind of putting our spin on it. And, um, and I think you'll, you know, just let us do our thing, you know?
1: Well, my mom who watches Austin Monday through Friday and Lauren, they'll need to like entertain him for some, something distract him. And so they'll pull up their phone and start searching YouTube for like some kids song, which is just grating. I mean, baby shark is the best example of just a grating annoying song that I feel like is eroding all of our brains. And so I'll argue with them. And ruin everybody's day by being like, just put something good on, forget about the baby music, forget about baby shark, just put good music on. I yeah. think, cause he's at the age he'll appreciate whatever the stimulation is. So why not put good music on instead of right. awful music on? They're like, oh, this is for kids. I'm like, you know what? I think all music is for kids. Good music is also for kids. Yeah. Find something good. And I listen, you don't have to take my recommendation and listen to what I'm listening to. Just put something good on for him. You know?
2: <laughs> oh my god! And you, then they get pissed. I, at me. I can see the, the first uh, the first level of, of parenting here is is uh, well. You're controlling the shit out of the situation. I,
1: I I get all fumed and like steam's coming out of my ears, and then I walk yeah. out of the room and I hear Baby Shark playing from the other room.
2: I let him do Baby Shark. <laughs> yeah. The cool thing about yeah. Baby Shark is he'll eventually he'll go. This song sucks. I've been listening to it for eight years. Let's put good good. I so can't the guy's wait. name is Rick beato rick beato b-e-a-t-o he's all over youtube and he does these great interviews along with great instruction by the way but uh he does one with pat meth pat metheny which uh is really good because pat metheny very engaging
1: yeah well the funny thing was chris Schifflet told me that he um was following some guitar player on youtube who was doing these tutorials and i'm like what who is it somebody famous he's like no it's just this youtube guy he's like doing these cool tutorials and i was learning a bit from him i go that guy would love to know that the foo fighters guitarist is learning from him and he's like oh yeah i messaged him because i wanted to take like private lessons with him and i'm gonna and we're gonna be doing that soon i'm like oh my god that youtube creators day had to be made you know did he
2: say his name he didn't no Oh, man, he blew it. That's what the guy wants. He wants Chris Schiffle to say his name on the podcast. That's true. By the way, I was going back and forth with somebody about, you know how the Super Bowl has a halftime entertainment show? It Mm -hmm. might have been you, actually. And I think the Foo Fighters would be the greatest halftime show because they're they're kind of in that middle space where, like, you know, 40, 50-somethings would love it and, you know, it might even seem old hat to like 20 year olds, you know, cause it seems they, like they skew too young with, with the rap and the stuff, but that's just me. 50 middle fifties guy.
1: I'd you're like right see- though. They, they do fill a lot of genres, like cause they've been around for three decades now Yeah, and they can sell out. They do sell out every oh, yeah. big venue around big venue around the world. Yeah. They headline Coachella or whatever it is all the time. And they have, for decades now so you're right they would be a perfect fit but as we know tragically they lost their drummer um just a month or two ago yeah so yeah we, that's a
2: bummer yeah we'll see no, what, I, yeah you know, where the band goes from some there. point in the future i'm sure that eventually hopefully you know god willing, it out. yeah they'll get a new drummer but uh, you know maybe it's too soon but eventually that it's just funny because finding a super bowl act at the halftime is it's actually diff, more difficult than you realize yeah, you know, like totally. it's hard to please everyone. You know, it's easy to okay, let's get a rap guy, and then we'll please some twenty-year-olds. But then guys like me are like, I'm not really into rap. I'm I'd much rather hear Tom Petty. But oh, he's passed. And right. the Stones, the Who, they've all been done. You know, and when you think about what demographic are they trying to please? Yeah, there. I'm sure there's guys like me that are making decisions. Then there's guys underneath guys like me who are like, no, actually, let's get you know, Megan, the stallion who I don't even know. You know like, who does well, she play the guitar? Does she even know a musical chord? You know what? It's rap.
1: It's one thing. The part, the genre that I don't get anymore is a couple of years ago they had the weekend performing and I'm like, I don't even know what genre this is. It's strictly, it's like pop music. Um personify I don't know what the right word is. It's like a version of pop music that's even beyond pop music. Like the equation that you were talking about earlier, that equation, um, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It doesn't even yeah. feel like music to me. It strictly feels like performance. Yeah. Is all it feels like, you yeah. know, I, I, there's nothing musical about it. I
2: know, it at some at point all. they should just have dancers out there and just go, "Really, this is just going to be about like very, you know, scantily clad yeah. dancers."
1: Cuz at both, least yeah. cuz rap comes from a place and a passion and it has like an objective and it has an opinion and it has a, you know, and it's musical and like there's there's something really to appreciate about it when the weekend was performing, I was like, I don't listen to this guy's music on the radio. So I didn't really know who he was or what it was going to sound like. And then I watched him and listened and I was just horrified that it's even associated with quote music. It was strictly performance to me, you know? Yeah.
2: But at any rate, I've got, I've got a listener. How how far in, how far into this podcast are we because you need to create a little caveat (laughs) and put it at the beginning and go, For about 10 minutes, we don't talk about anything but music. So if you're not into that, go ahead and skip to. Mm Remember, we got that one email that's like, please tell us when you're not talking surf so I can fast forward.
1: Yeah. I think that guy just complains no matter what. (laughs) Um, Okay. Listen to this. Listener feedback from last week said, hey, Dave, you recently mentioned Michael Ho being a bit crazy, even at 65. Well, I was at the eddy one year standing 30 feet from the shore when he soul arched into the shore break. Yeah. They had to carry him out of the water because he was limp. Yeah. I'm not sure how documented this is. Uh, I saw a really poor quality video of it one time on YouTube, but I haven't ever been able to find it again.
2: Yeah, I was there for that, actually. It was gnarly. And oh, it wait, was classic. The story. Well, I, first of all, I'm not sure if I was there, or if, I, but I have seen it. I'm not sure if, which Eddie it was. I said um, it was
1: either 99 or 2000.
2: I, yeah, I think it was the one where Bruce Irons won. Okay. Um, but anyway, a lot of guys were doing that that year. Not a lot of guys, but maybe four or five. I think Andy, Bruce, Michael Ho. But yeah, it was just crazy and it was beautiful. And it was just full Hawaiian style, like hands behind the back. Kind of like that Soul Archie does at back door, but just yeah. going left and just stands in there. And but brutally, you know, just worked and came out just like he needed three dudes, like he had, you know, maybe broken a rib or something. Like it was scary bad. But yeah, the guy, Michael Ho, I mean, wow. There needs to be a full on real Netflix three or four parter on Michael Ho.
1: Well, So he would have been 45 then, (laughs) which I mean, is, which is crazy. I mean, we're, we're talking about him being 65 back door. That's ultra crazy. But even to think 20 years ago, he was 45
2: doing those hijinks insane. Yeah. It would be, that would be a really cool. What's funny about Michael Ho is like, you never hear a bad thing about Michael Ho, you know, Mm -hmm. like I've never heard a bad thing about him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like there's some guys who are like, oh you know for like okay sean thompson dropped in on a bunch of people and tom carroll too and probably a lot of pros dude and i'm not saying michael ho hasn't but i think the water's part when michael paddles out he doesn't have to you know what I mean? yeah
1: no he's epic um so i emailed that guy back that listener because he didn't say which year it was i emailed him saying do you know what year it was that's when he said it was around 2000 he also said i remember seeing pamela anderson at the time uh at one of Oh, he said he went to two of the events. So I remember seeing Pamela Anderson at one of them. She was way prettier in real life. She was in uh, the back of the line at the bathroom and all the other girls in front of her were waving her to come and go first. <laughs> and she kept saying, no, 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 no. Cause she didn't want to take advantage of her status, yeah. but the other girls wouldn't take no for an answer. And eventually call, called her up and got her in the front of the line.
2: That's pretty cool. And I, I do remember seeing her. I, I saw her with Kelly at a wind and sea surf club event that I was surfing in. Um, Might've been earlier than that though. I, wind and sea has this fall classic thing, the surf club where it's basically just the wind and sea clubs, but a few people can get invited in. And somehow I slithered my way into that, but I remember seeing her and Kelly on the beach at wind and sea. And, and, and she was at that time much more beautiful and not all made up, either like not all just like like uh naturally beautiful you know
1: and that's what so I was talking about the weekend being offensive how it's almost not music when I was growing up and people loved Pamela Anderson that's how I felt about her too I was like she doesn't even look like a human being much less you know a woman like there's nothing attractive about that to me however people I've talked to who have spent time with her or seen her in real life say exactly that they're like oh no and certainly back then she yeah. was an yes. absolute girl next door beauty even exactly before sure. the before the industry got a hold of her
2: exactly that was a great way to put it before the industry got a hold of her exactly which industry we're not sure could have been hollywood could have <laughs> been cosmetics we don't know
1: uh well good shout out to pam um yes, fans. another another listener email
2: uh yeah.
1: hey guys what are your thoughts on asking your shaper to knock off another shaper's design? At first Ooh. glance, this seems inappropriate, but let me give you a scenario. What if you fall in love with a shape built by a large surfboard company that makes all of their products overseas under questionable working conditions and out of questionable materials? <laughs> said said company then places these boards at question, of questionable quality in your favorite surf shop for a criminally high price. In such a scenario, is it more or less ethical to go to your local starving shaper, twelve pack in hand, and give them a shot at your business by replicating the board? These are the kind of ethical dilemmas that keep me up at night. <laughs> this is from Scott in San Diego.
2: You know what? This is a good question, and uh, and it's actually a tough one, and it's one that I've had to deal with before too. You know where you're, and here's my ex- my exam my experience of this is that. It depends which shaper and you should know beforehand if the shaper will be open to this. And if you're not sure if your shaper would be open to this, don't do it. Or mm. you could, you could create a chasm.
0: Mm.
2: Is that a word? Yeah. Chasm. 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 Schism. Schism. Three different words. Now. So if you know beforehand, you're fine. Just bring the board and go, Hey, I'd really like this board, but I'd like your hands to make it out of poly foam or whatever, you know? And, and it won't be a problem but that's the key here scott is no beforehand because i i've even taken boards like my favorite board to guys and gone hey will you make this just like this and they always go well i've got a kind of a version of that already why don't i do the you know like and they tweak they don't do what you want you know gotcha and gotcha. i think we all know shapers that are like have enough ego out of the game to go, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll best out, I'll bust out that exact thing. And actually, um, but, but there is this ethical thing, like, well, I'd look and they're, you know, to give these shapers their due to a lot of them are like, I'd like to do that, but I don't think it's really cool to just knock off someone's thing. So let me do my take on it. Mm-hmm. You know? And at that point, you're not going to be getting the same board. So, <laughs>
1: I think this just comes down to construction quality, because if you're buying his example of like a a large producer, they're making they're not making really uh, I would presume innovative designs. Whatever designs are ending up on the rack at a local surf shop are kind of user friendly, general designs that every other surfboard shaper on the planet already knows how to make and is making. So what this really comes down to is. I love this board, but I just need it to be constructed well. Or I want it to be constructed out of the materials that are familiar to me, you know, and that will last. And so that's really the value for the local of what the local shaper. And I think that the local shaper, if you get the right one, would recognize that's an acknowledgement of the quality of their of their craftsmanship. The reason this person's coming to me to replicate this is because they know I make quality surfboards, you know. And the hydrodynamic principles involved here are all kind of uh open source at this point so it's just the
2: construction yeah and and frankly to to be fair too the reason we see those boards at the local surf shop and fall in love with them is because they're pretty damn killer some of the outlines are just really gorgeous Mm -hmm. you know and and everyone's got the same everyone can kind of do the outline you know And then it comes down to the fine tuning of the bottom contours. And frankly, a lot of those boards off the rack are pretty good boards um, in that regard as well. So yeah, like what you said. Construction.
1: Right. Construction. Um, Well, hey, Chopu starts on August 11th. And there's a new writer on Stab Magazine. His name is Holden Trinka. And he did the math to figure out which surfers are in to the top five at lowers already which ones are on the bubble and which ones have a shot an outside shot so would you like me to run this down for you
2: yeah but hold on for just a sec i'll i'll be right back all right let's take a commercial break. real water sports what's not to love about real water sports i love it you love it you know why tons of killer surfboards a selection that's just a deep dive into all the stuff you love plus hard goods, fins, wetsuits, leashes, wax, things that you need to go surfing. And uh, that's why it's called Real because it's Real Water Sports. It's Real surf uh, Surfing for Real Surfers. Real Water Sports. Our friends over there are going to take care of you.
1: Um, I just pulled up the website right now. They've got used boards mixed in with their inventory as well, which I always love. I grew up riding used boards. Um, so... 1500 board inventory. I'm going to list some of the names of the brands that they carry. Lost, Christensen, Ipa, AJW, Black Rose, CJ Nelson, FCD, Firewire, Hayden Shapes, uh, Paisel, Mark Richards, Maurice Cole, Rawson, Ricky Carroll, Roger Hines, Ryan Sackel, Slater Designs, Smith Shapes, Takiyama. Um, so if you can't find something there. I don't think you're going to find it anywhere, Scott. They've got a
2: little bit of everything for everyone. As you were going through that list, sadly, I thought to myself, you know what? I have one of those. I have one of those. I have <laughs> one of those. I have every one of those boards. <laughs> Holy mackerel.
1: So they've got what you need, but they've also got, like I said, used boards. They've also got a BLEM section. So boards that got maybe a little bit of um, maybe didn't come out perfect in lamination. Maybe they got damaged in transit, whatever the case, discounted heavily. So check it out, fantasize, peruse, and uh, enjoy. A phenomenal resource is realwatersports.com. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs Totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and
2: conditions apply. You know, I was on a surf trip recently and my friend Bob Murphy said, Scott, if you squeeze the juice of one lemon into a glass of water and drink it every day, your flow rate will be better really more voluminous <laughs> and uh i found that to be the case shout wow. out to bob murphy
1: okay great life advice right there
2: amateur endurologist
1: <laughs> <laughs> the exact type of endurologist you want <laughs> Exactly. you know what you could uh
2: did I save, tell you money,
1: that? save money on your medical advice so that you have more to spend on surfboards.
2: Who needs WebMD when you've got Bob Murphy from La Jolla telling you what's going on? And
1: Honestly, I think a full lemon a day will actually do a lot of great things for you.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I really am. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I told you this, but I've been asked to give a talk at the World Conference of Endurologists
1: you did you did (laughs) tell me this
2: yeah so that's going to be interesting well let's get into the ct surfers can still make the top five at show
1: um so holden trinka on stab did the math the by the way the old system was um 11 or the old wct format was 11 events you keep your best nine remember you get rid of two the way that this is working this year is that um you, lose, you get to throw away one event before the cut, but everything after the cut, you keep. So you, essentially you throw away one event rather than two this year. So in, locked in for finals day at lowers already are Felipe Toledo and Jack Robinson. And so they're kind of neck and neck and a result that Chopu could determine who will be in first and who will be in second going mm. into lowers. Mm. And I think everybody would put their money on Jack Robinson at Chopu. And mm. in fact, put their money against Felipe Toledo. It's not like Felipe has a fighting chance. Felipe is the guy who you would bet on losing at Chopu. So this mm. gives Jack a real opportunity to make up some points. Um, on the bubble, though, Ethan Ewing, Idolo Ferreira, and Griffin Colapinto still at risk of dropping out. They're in those three, four, third, fourth, and fifth spots, but not in dominant positions. And um, Kanoa Igarashi is right outside of it. He can get into the bubble pretty easily, depending on results here. And then other surfers outside, but with a long shot chance, Caleb Robson, Miguel Pupo, Connor O'Leary, and Sammy Pupo. Very interestingly.
2: Yeah, the Pupo brothers actually, especially Sammy, are very interesting. If they That's an upset waiting to happen if they go to lower's. Totally. Sammy Pupo could just blow minds and be like, who cares? I can't even believe I'm here. And just have a mind blower, just be getting in the air, laughing, having fun, high-fiving Brazilian flags on the beach. All of a sudden, Sammy's going against Jack Robinson, and he's got nothing to lose.
1: it would be insane. So looking at Chopu, I would put my money more on Miguel Pupo or even Conor O'Leary. Like, they have a chance there to shore up some points and get into that final five. However, you're right. If you find them at lowers, the money would be on Sammy Pupo out of those. Yeah. But unfortunately, um, they need, to, I think they need to make like finals in order to get themselves into that position. And that also means that the people in the bottom, in three, fourth, and f- third, fourth, and fifth, need to do really poorly in the Chopu event as well. So I could see Idalo. Uh, you know, he's got the ability to do well at Chopu. I don't know Ethan Ewing so much at big backside barrels, but Griffin Colapinto, I think, has the talent and the bravado to go for it at chopes So that's you know, what's happening.
2: Yeah, look, I, frankly, I'd be fine with the top five right now making their right way yeah. to Chopu. I mean, to uh, lowers. I'd be okay with that. And as I look below, um, the only one I would say on there that I'd like to see move up is um, Sammy Pupo. Yeah. Like, but then I'd be Frontman losing one is, of these top right, five. And I don't want to lose Griffin. I don't want to lose Elo. I don't want to lose Ethan Ewing. So it's kind of, I don't know. You know like, who I would like love five.
1: to see at Lowers is Ethan Ewing. I agree. Like totally. his, his style of surfing for Lowers would be insane. Exactly. Um, on the women's side, Carissa Moore and Joanne DeFay are already in. In the top five, but kind of on the bubble are Tatiana Weston Webb, Stephanie Gilmore and Brissa Hennessy. Yeah. Uh, on the outside looking in with a long shot, are Lakey Peterson, Tyler Wright, Gabriella Bryan, and Isabella Nichols.
2: Um, you know, I'm not just, I'm just not super engaged in the women's surfing right now, to be honest with you.
1: I think the top five as is, is interesting enough. Uh, Carissa Moore, Joanne DeFay, Tatiana Weston Webb coming off of her performance at j Bay. That was really exciting. And then Stephanie Gilmore, of course, we always love to see. And Brissa Hennessy throwing a young buck in the mix. I think that's a good mix right there. Lakey, I always love to see, but she's, you know, she's got some work to do to earn her spot into the top five. And same thing with Tyler Wright. Ta- they're both talented, but they really have to earn it.
2: I'd be okay with seeing sort of a changing of the guard here. Like Good I'd be okay be? with Gabriella Brian, Isabella Nichols moving up into the five and we lose Steph, and we lose Tatiana.
1: Blasphemy.
2: <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to shake it up. I don't have that much invested in the women's side of it. It doesn't mean I won't watch the women's final. I will, but, uh, um, I'm not quite as engaged, which is a bummer. And it affects my fantasy team, man. I don't, I don't engage in the women on fantasy enough. And my, the WSL needs to make their fantasy thing. So we have the option to choose if we want to include the women on our team or not.
1: Yeah. Well, um, if you were still in the survival league, who would you be picking on the men's side for chopes?
2: Well, I mean, it's it depends on who I still have left, but um, I bet I'd have to pick somebody like Miguel Pupo here. I mean, I'm, there's no way I still have Robinson. There's no way I have these five guys still left, the top five Never. guys. They're not on my team anymore in survival. So I would take a goofy foot like Miguel Pupo. Um, I'm sure I wouldn't have him. I mean, You can you could take somebody like Baron Mamiya, who – Right. i may i may have already chosen i don't remember i don't but think baron you mamiya is one that you would that's the one you take if you haven't taken baron mamiya this is your chance take baron mamiya at a massive left brief pass he's an expert one of the top three guys at pipe he's your guy take baron mamiya
1: great pick i'm picking kelly
2: you already took kelly no i didn't you haven't taken kelly yet
1: nope I've been talking. I've been talking crap on Kelly. You actually have, now.
2: yeah. You've been saying Kelly would be my guy. I'm going to save him for Chopu.
1: For years, I haven't been picking Kelly. I overlooked him at Pipe. I picked John John at Pipe. That worked out well for me. But Kelly, this is the one event other than Pipe that I would use Kelly on. Um, so his most recent episode of Lost Tapes covers his stint in at Chopu in 2019 where he was shooting an Outer Known campaign, wearing denim blue jeans in the water, surfing in denim blue jeans to get uh, a you know catalog shot. Um, but again, watching him free surf is the highlight of this series. Watching him free surf at Chopu, it also covers the event where he loses to um, Jack Freestone, but they show free surfing before the event and free surfing after the event. And the guy is... He is the guy. You watch that and you're just like, man, forget, forget about the tour. The worst surfing you do throughout your year is on tour.
2: Just go do this. It's like a Neil Diamond song. Kelly in blue jeans. <laughs> right? Isn't there forever in blue jeans?
1: I don't know, but I think we have our closing song for today's show.
2: Okay. Now check this out. This goes with the theme of today's show the one time I went to a concert with my dad, I may have already told you this. My dad goes, Scott, we're going to Neil Diamond. So I go to Neil Diamond at the San Diego sports arena with my dad and his wife. It's me and my wife. My wife and I are probably 35. My dad's probably 65. We're the youngest people there, my wife and I. And there's all these like, 65 70 year old people pulling up in limos and in like you know teslas <laughs> or whatever getting out and they're like all people from like the country club in la jolla and they're all like standing in the aisles and my dad's like doing this really hideous dance which is probably where i get my dancing from and it was just embarrassing like i didn't know how to handle this my dad dancing next to me uh to neil diamond who was actually a great show neil diamond was I was my wife and I enjoyed it thoroughly uh
1: so do you have a, is that a fond memory now
2: it's both a scarring memory and a fond memory at the same time it's like r r r the movie it's both the best movie I've ever seen and the worst movie I've ever seen
1: that's I could see um you cringing through the experience but then in hindsight of course it's hilarious and fun you know
2: this is what happened
1: yeah, well, I do have fondness for Neil Diamond as well. I have what, the live album. Is it Hot Summer Nights?
2: Wait a minute. You think I actually
1: <laughs> listened to Neil Diamond <laughs> or know which album? Side? No. It's Hot Something Nights. I want to say it's yeah. Hot Summer Nights. But um, yeah, I bought it. At, I was at a record shop and I, for whatever reason, I bought it. I listened to it a handful of times. It was really fun, but I haven't put it back on in a long time.
2: Okay, wow.
1: Um, there's okay. a couple hits there that you can appreciate
2: kelly in blue jeans live in atlanta
1: live in chopu actually um so anyways this again go watch that for the free surfing but also he's struggling in that episode with a lot of his um futility i guess i don't know what the right word is but like him being exhausted on tour and not being able to beat jack freestone in a heat at a venue that kelly absolutely should beat almost anybody on tour so him kind of struggling with that crisis which i think he's still struggling with um but him vocalizing it and hearing him talk through it because he does say like you could see the frustration and he's watching the heats back and he's like god what am i doing i should have made that wave i should have just been a little bit out further like what am i doing And the frustration ultimately culminates with him saying, I just, you know what I should do? Sell everything, buy a boat, and then just spend the next two years in French Polynesia getting shacked. Like, that's what I should be doing with my life, you know? He says, I have, they're like, why are the producer cameraman says, what is the hiccup? What is the frustration? And Kelly says, I just have way too much going on in my life. You know, and I think, he's there also to shoot an outer known ad and he needs to be wearing blue jeans. He needs to be paddling out in blue jeans. Like that's all a distraction. The fact that you're worried about finding the right time to wear blue jeans to shoot a campaign is problematic.
2: Hey Kelly, I've got an idea. Here's what I think we should do for the blue jean shoot. Now just be with me here, okay? Be with me. I want you to wear the blue jeans out in the water at Chopu. pu Catch a couple waves. What do you think? Uh, uh, okay, yeah. Sounds like a good idea. Can't wait to do that. He's Again, if
1: you, were, if you were just a sponsor, you'd be like, no, I'm focused on winning a world title and that'll support your brand. But if you're the owner of the brand, then you start thinking about doing these things, you know? So, Here's I a think,
2: thought. What if it was the other way around? How so? Hey, Jimmy Joe. This is Kelly. I've got an idea. I think I should wear blue jeans at Chopu. It could have been. I know. That wouldn't surprise very well. me at all.
1: Yeah, very well could have been. And by the way, as a result, this ends up being the best possible vehicle for outer Known. This ends up becoming the best commercial for outer Known because it's not just the image of him standing in a barrel in blue jeans at Chopu. It's an entire episode dedicated to talking about him, you know, the behind the scenes look at it. So, you know, it's tripping? very successful. I, I've
2: never seen this photo out. Like, I, I'm i not sure that did Kelly put this on his Instagram two years ago? Like, this isn't a photo that this is a photo you think you would have seen a million times already. Well, I'm standing in the tube in blue jeans, and I don't recall no, ever seeing you. Him. Like, did they put w- a kibosh on it?
1: No, you would have if magazines were in print and they were buying advertising in magazines. Right. The other way that you would see it is if you get Outer Known mailing catalog
2: shipped to your house, oh, so which, you the, to. which they do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I get that actually.
1: Do you? Do you I look through I... it?
2: No, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I'm sure that you do get it. They send it to everybody, even if you didn't sign up for anything at any point. Yeah. Um, but anyways, again, this is a successful commercial for mm-hmm. Outer Known. So. Yeah ticks that box cool um do you want to play a little bit of have you ever before yes. we close out the show with must see moments in dukes and kooks absolutely all right i've got a couple for you have you ever
2: had a surf class you mean taking a surfing lesson is that what you're saying yeah yeah no no <laughs> i've given them i used to teach surfing for the ymca in 1984 there you go yeah
1: all right yeah i've i've never had a surf class quote unquote like where you put the jersey on and paddle out but i've gotten lessons from
2: brad gerlach's wave key oh yeah So i think that qualifies it kind of does i think he's so. by the way we were talking about like the top three stylists of all time and we mentioned machado and kelly or no uh, tom curran and uh, one other like oh uh, rostovich i think um Brad might be in the top five or he's definitely in the top 10. You know, when you think of Lopez, all time stylist, I think Brad Gerlach's in the top 10, which is super funny in hindsight, because when he was a, a teenager in high school with us, we were all just got, we were like, oh my God, this guy's got the worst style ever. But it was really us just not even like having black wetsuits and single fins. And Brad was in a red wetsuit with a twin fin riding whitewash all the way we we're like, what is he doing? He's riding whitewash all the way. We couldn't even we couldn't even believe this was happening in front of us. It was he, he you was guys way were, more progressive than we were.
1: You guys were uniform and he was outside oh. of the box. And so it just didn't look cool. But I'm wondering if he hadn't worked out his actual style yet. He was radical maybe. Right. But it was a little bit goofy looking, you know, yeah, he, he hadn't
2: no he hadn't I mean I think when he went on tour uh, you know, like the year he won, he beat Tom Carroll in Oceanside at the Stubbies Pro in like, I don't know, 1988 or something. And uh, that's when he was fully evolving into a style, style master.
1: Yeah. A couple of other listeners reached out to me and the names that they threw out were Torin Martin, uh, eh. Craig Anderson.
2: Craig, okay. And, I get Craig. And um, Michael February. Yeah, I I just look at it like, who would you want your kid to surf like? Any of those would be fine with me. Yeah. But if you had to choose one. Well, Tom Curran. Like, Thank you. End yeah, of, of course. story. The well, goals. of course.
1: But the listeners were saying like
2: modern. Stylish. Like
1: what are like the current kind of guys? Curran, you know, so still to still
2: this su- day, if you saw Curran surf, you'd be like, oh my God, that's beautiful. I'd like my kid to dance like that. Yeah, I know.
1: But they were just right. truncled well, I, from I get the it. youth.
2: I get yeah. it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Where's Kelly in that list? Is Kelly is his style in the top. Interesting. 10 stylists of all time. We're talking all time. We're talking. Yeah. Jerry I, Lopez. I think
1: so. I think he's in the top 10.
2: Yeah.
1: Kelly. Yeah. It's so funny. His. It's funny that we've never considered him as a stylist. Because he absolutely is stylish he does not have any funkiness at all but it's almost like the function is supersedes the form for him you know like he's so what he's doing is so impressive that you overlook the aesthetic of what he's doing but if you do ever i mean that zapping turn at sebastian inlet that they've made the statue out of is unbelievably stylish Any image of him getting backside barreled at a reef pass anywhere, super stylish, you know?
2: I agree. And and relative to wearing a Jersey, he's by far the most stylish surfer on the tour, as far as, in my opinion, um, you know, as far as like an aesthetic, like you're like, wow, that's not only functionally insane and technically perfect, but he's got some flair, you know? Totally, totally.
1: Yeah. So he's in the top 10 for sure.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting list, top top ten stylists of all time, because you throw all time and then you're like, well, where do you put like Lance Carson or right? You know, like it's kind of a hard list to make up. It is. Some would say Phil yeah. Edwards who had the best style ever. Was the yeah, Tom but- Curran before there was a Tom Curran?
1: It becomes apples and oranges when you're thinking yeah. that far back, and they're just going right. straight. You're right. Um. All right. Have you ever stolen something?
2: Yes, sadly, I have. And uh, it's not, I mean, yes, the answer is yes, I have. <laughs> and I apologize. I'm making, I'm making amends. I'm trying to live my life better. I'm amending the way I behave. And uh, God willing, it won't happen again.
1: Uh, do, you want to tell, do you want to tell the story of what you stole,
2: stole or is that good <laughs> enough? <laughs> it's more than one item. Good oh, okay. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> these were dark days
1: um, i will I tell mean, the one story. I, i'll
2: tell the first time i got caught shop perfect perfect first time i got caught shoplifting i was i was skating we, me and my buddy were skating this little ramp down at the bottom of via de la valle there's a bank there now it was an empty lot with it was called um i don't know it was called the ditch it was the ditch and we would we were like big jay Adams, Tony Alva, wannabe guys. So we had our little like pork pie hats and we we would smoke cherry cigars. And I was probably 13 and we would just skate this ditch. That was our plan. And we went across the street to the Safeway or the Vons or whatever it was to get our cherry cigars, which meant to steal them. And so we would walk into the Vons and there'd be an aisle with two tall aisles with the cherry cigars in them and all the food items. And we would go back to back so that he would be looking out that aisle way and I'd be looking out that aisle way. And if there was no one coming, we'd go, no one's there. And we'd just start stuffing <laughs> cherry cigars and candy into our board shorts. And um, of course, we didn't realize there was a guy up top, a manager just watching us, just going, look at those two boys. Why and, are those guys
1: standing back to back?
2: Back to back, shoveling shit into their trunks. And we got caught stealing cherry cigars.
1: And what was the punishment?
2: They called our parents and basically said, next time we're calling the cops, don't do this again. Yeah. This was obviously planned. Um, What's cherry cigars? A cigar with a cherry flavoring. Interesting.
1: Um, It's funny when you're a kid like that, how you think you're being so inconspicuous. Like, oh, if we stand (laughs) back to back, we'll be able to look at everything. Except nobody in that store ever stands back to back (laughs) like that unless they're stealing something
2: such idiots we were completely completely funny idiots.
1: yeah all right good well good go. round of have you ever where we learn much more about our podcast host.
2: I've got a must moment which what is, is it it's well it's first of all it's this movie RRR which you got to watch on Netflix but secondly it's um, there's a little cool little clip of Jackson Dorian surfing in the Maldives super clear water Friendly face, Jackson Dorian is going to check it out. It's super clear water and I'm ripping. And he's just, it's just one of those fun Instagram clips where he's kind of ripping and getting tubed and coming out and having the time of his life. What a life that it. kid lives.
1: I know. I saw Shane Dorian post uh, from there and the waves were absolutely pumping. So it makes sense that Jackson was there, but I'll, I'll go look up his clip. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right though. Jeez, what a life that kid is living.
2: Yeah, pretty good. Um, Looks like he's got good parents too. I know Shane. You know, I spent some time with Shane, and he's he's obviously together.
1: That's the great. thing is. So he, it's great that the kid gets to do cool things, but to be under the guidance of Shane, yeah, has like such a steadfast, good human being who also is the top level performer in a bunch of different disciplines is pretty incredible.
2: Yeah, you get the the feeling that his parents, they're their mission is first and foremost be good parents, and then, secondly, be a big wave surfer or be a whatever yoga instructor. I don't know what the hell they do. But.
1: <laughs> uh, hunt he does a lot of bow hunting. Yes. Um, so my musty moment is actually brand new. It's Victor Bernardo, some uh, young Brazilian whose name I remember from five years ago, showing up at U.S. Open and every Q.S. event being right alongside Pedersen Crescento and a bunch of other ripping Brazilians, but he's gone away for five years. And then a month or two, I'd say two or three months ago, I was at Album Surfboards in San Clemente and look who's sitting there, it's Victor Bernardo. And Matt Parker's like, dude, have you seen this kid surf recently? And I'm like, no, I remember his name, but that's all. He goes, man, he is absolutely on fire and also not interested in riding pointy thrusters anymore. So we're giving him some twin fins, some asymmetricals, and we're going to see how it goes. Well, they just dropped a clip yesterday of him surfing lowers on those boards. It's unreal. And he fits into the style conversation that you and I were having. Like he is flaring the tail doing crazy turns, but also just looks incredible doing it. So um, I think the clip's on Stab Magazine.
2: I would love to get album surfboards at the boardroom show this year um i miss seeing their booth i've loved matt's work they, he's got a great speaking of aesthetic he's got a great aesthetic there so
1: hit yeah, well his boards do and his booth in the past always has. I know. see if you can
2: booth. nudge him along you see what you can do for me will do um
1: my kook of the yeah. week zuckerberg <laughs> for, for kicking off kook of the day off of instagram
2: Oh my God, I didn't know this happened. Tell me more. Is this because they showed him being a Barney?
1: <laughs> a kook would be the operative word. Yeah. Um, they should change it to Barney of the day. Restart yeah. the account. They should.
2: The they should. Um,
1: well, there's, you know, the the crazy thing is about Instagram is that they don't give you a reason. Yeah. They boot you and you violated the terms, and then you can't
2: get a hold of anybody to find out which terms you violated. But um, and I saw Sean Davy on LinkedIn, surf photographer Sean Davy, saying he's over Instagram that they they're no longer like a place for photographs. They're trying to compete with TikTok. And my daughter said the same thing. She's like, everyone's over Instagram is what she told me, like all of her generation, like the 20 somethings yeah, are semi over Instagram because they're they lost the plot. It used to be a really great place to post photos.
1: Well, in their quest for profitability, they lost the plot.
2: Yeah.
1: It's overrun, you know, like I, I'm, but the advertising I think is very sophisticated and it doesn't feel um, offensive or egregious. Like I kind of want to see the ads that they feed me turns out are things that I want to see, but they are manipulating it in such a way that you can't benefit from the algorithm unless you're paying them to be a part of it. So, I think that's problematic. And um, what your daughter is saying is correct is that they are transitioning more towards video and trying to be this all encompassing platform. And so, the reason why you originally went on it is no longer there. That, of course, happened with Facebook for everybody, and everybody's offended by Facebook now. And I think they're starting to shift that ire towards Instagram, which, of course, is owned by Facebook. At any rate, The um, kook of the day founder has always remained anonymous, but stab magazine did a quick interview with him to find out how he got booted and why. And he said, it's probably a cocktail of a bunch of posts and factors. We've been pretty critical on everything from the WSL, to Zuckerberg and Gabe and Gabriel Medina. And anytime that we do anything negative on Gabriel Medina, all of the Brazilians probably are flagging my account (laughs) left and right. Um, Oh
2: my God. Really? That's, that's not cool. Come on. Yeah.
1: But he said, this has happened before first (laughs) time, first time the account got deleted was weird. There was no notice or anything, but I was able to get it back within a couple of weeks. This time they took it off with numerous violations. And I think that maybe this was the last straw. I've been talking to somebody on the inside to try to finagle it back, but it's a way bigger process this time. To be honest, it's probably got something to do with copyright issues. So much stuff gets submitted, and I don't have the correct credit for a lot of the videos. And so I've always tried to be cautious about what I post, but Instagram is just so saturated that you can't necessarily track the original source of the video. And some people lie and say that it's their video just so that they get tagged and hopefully get a little follower boost. So who knows? So. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the reality is we're all putting way too much gravity in Instagram. We probably need to get off it, anyways. But yeah. it does influence all of our lives, and it's where we get a lot of our information and entertainment, and so it's relevant. But what
2: about Twitter? Do you do Do you use Twitter? Zero. Yeah, I use Twitter a lot. Um, just personally, not really from a business standpoint, but just to get news and sports and fantasy football stuff and golf stuff and
1: and there's things that live on twitter like those things that you need to be on twitter for but surfing lives on instagram
2: yeah i don't do i don't do i I don't yeah there's not you know the surfing that's on twitter is not really relevant no there's like wsl that's it you know wsl is on twitter
1: i remember um Jack Dorsey, the owner, founder and owner of Twitter, tweeted out my Alex Gray episode at the beginning of the year. yeah, beginning of the year. And so I messaged used Twitter an account that I haven't been on in like you know eight years. I used it to direct message Jack Dorsey and just be like, "Hey, dude, I couldn't believe you tweeted that. I would love to interview you for the podcast. He's never read the message.
2: Yeah. He's a busy guy you know, busy dealing with Elon. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, the, so when I read this article, though, uh, the interview with the Kook of the Day founder, yeah, the thing that rubbed me wrong about it is Kook of the Day used Instagram the exact way that Instagram was designed to be used. And also they used it in a way that benefited Instagram. Exa- like uh, Kook of the Day reposting people's videos and all that kind of stuff is exactly how Instagram designed their business. It's exactly what they wanted people to do is to share things virally, to spin it through the algorithm. And now they're getting punished for doing exactly what they were set up to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like them them identifying, oh, it's probably a copyright issue. I probably didn't credit the original people. Well, Instagram's gotten into a bunch of hot water. So now they're demanding that people live by these new rules but it's like you built your entire system not living with those rules.
2: So I think. (laughs) It's funny. They're just, it's kind of like getting a, you know, like riding a fish and really loving it and going, gosh, I wish it was more performancey and then getting a performance oriented fish and going, Oh, this, this is the worst of both worlds. That's kind of what Instagrams become. They're, they're chasing the tail here.
1: They're the tweener.
2: They're the tweener. What's the new Instagram. I heard there's this one called Discord. Do you know anything about it? I don't. Is it new? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody, somebody said try Discord if you're over Instagram. I'm going to look it up. But
1: I mean, I I feel like Discord's been around and it's a website, but I don't. Think oh, I don't even know.
2: Maybe it is. I don't think it's
1: there. like a social media platform. Oh, who knows?
2: I don't have a clue.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Some people are using TikTok. People are using Snapchat still a little. I think I have no idea. Yeah, who knows? I don't even. I don't even advertise any of our podcasts on Instagram anymore because it's like it's. Then you get notifications. People, you know, you get a bunch of messages. You get a bunch of comments, and it's impossible to keep up with and track. So I just focus on creating the content, putting it out there, and
2: you don't go to your direct. You're like Jack Dorsey. You don't reply to your direct messages.
1: I've I tried to for so long, and it's yeah. just impossible to keep up with. And it ultimately that time was taking away from my content creation time so exactly. it's like if I either have to prep for a show or edit and publish or respond to direct messages
2: right yeah you know,
1: I recorded five podcasts last week you know it's like I
2: try to respond yeah I try to just go thanks thanks you know like at least go thanks and then you feel like you're being short with them and exactly. that's kind of rude exactly like I can't get into a full-on dialogue here and then have no. them come back that's the problem.
1: If you get 20 messages, you send 20 replies, that then begets another 20 messages or maybe 40 messages. And then those, so it just kind of the whole thing just-
2: Snowballs. It, yeah, it's extra. You need a social media manager. Yeah, you yeah. do. All right, well, look, David, a great show. Until next time, adios and aloha.
0: Money all don't sing and dance and it don't walk Long as I can have you here with me, I'd much rather be forever in blue jeans Honey sweet But it ain't nothing next to baby's treat and If you pardon me I'd like